Welcome to the Rock Church Audio Podcast. We are so glad that you joined us today. Rock Church is located on Harrison Avenue between Mulford and Perryville Roads in Rockford, Illinois. Now let's join Pastor Jared with today's message. Second uh, Timothy one seven. Let's put it up on the screen. And uh, while that's big enough, I can see it. Awesome. I don't have to put my cheaters on. I'm going to have to look up more often. (laughs) Let's read this together. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Let's do it again. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and and of love, and of a sound mind. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, we open our hearts to receive it. We pray, Lord, that uh, you know, anything that would stand between us and all that you are wanting to give, Lord, may it be moved out of the way. And we just ask for a, a special anointing on the remaining time that we have, that, that your word would go forth and nothing else. So, Lord, we thank you for it. We uh, receive it with expectation because we know that it is alive and active. And we praise you for that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Who remembers what book of the Bible we were in last week? You didn't know there was going to be a pop quiz this morning, did you? Emily's looking at her notes. (laughs) That's good. Note-taking is encouraged. That's awesome. (laughs) 1 Thessalonians. We were in 1 Thessalonians. Now, Pastor Jared, what does that have to do with anything you're asking? Well, there's kind of a unique uh, contrast taking place this morning in the sense that last week I told you that 1 Thessalonians was the first letter that Paul wrote in the New Testament. And now today, as we look at 2 Timothy, we're looking at the last letter that he wrote. As the book of 2 Timothy is being written, uh, Paul is imprisoned. And he is awaiting execution. There has been a verdict cast down upon his life. He knows that there will be a moment when Caesar is going to say, now is the time. And Paul will give his life for the gospel. So he's very reflective. And because of the the reality that he finds himself in, you know, the book of 2 Timothy is a little bit different than what we're used to. Because Paul is really kind of writing from the heart and not the head. <laughs> you know, the, the other letters in the New Testament of Paul tend to be very doctrinal, very weighty. There are very significant truths that he's unpacking to the church. And this book of 2 Timothy is one where he's writing to the heart because he's writing to a young man that he has invested a lot into. And he knows his days are numbered. And in his heart, he is is expressing a desire for how things will carry on after he is gone. And he writes to the church and he says, Church, I want you to be well led. I want you to be structured in a way where the things of God will prosper. And and, and and he's writing to, to Timothy and he's saying, Timothy... You know, I, I want you to be the leader God has made you to be. Because after I am gone, the gospel must be preached. So we see this very personal, this very heartfelt letter. And our text today is right in line with that. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and A sound mind. Now, who is he addressing that verse to? Well, he's obviously addressing it to the church. But he is very specifically writing it to Timothy himself. And he's reminding Timothy that young Timothy, God has not given you a spirit of fear. So how do we know this? 
Well, if we back up one verse to verse 6 that starts this conversation, that leads to verse 7, Paul tells Timothy, therefore I remind you. I remind you. You know, Paul is, 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 is calling back upon the times and the experiences that he has had with Timothy. And he is saying, Timothy, I remind you, young man, that has been appointed to lead the church in this hour, that God has not given you a spirit of fear. And then there was a reason for the necessity of that statement. You know, we oftentimes see this verse as a launching pad for uh, a sermon or a teaching on, on fear in general. And, and we're going to hit and touch on some of that stuff. But, but I want you to know that, that the, 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 the call and the reminder that we have not been given a spirit of fear is one that is very personal and specific to Timothy because within him there was a kind of a default to timidity. Within his personality, within his temperament, there was a little bit of fearfulness. There was a little bit of an inferiority bent and default. And because of that, historians and scholars tell us that there was more than likely a part of Timothy's life that was slow to respond to the call that God had upon his life. Because his first reaction was not to embrace what God was doing, but rather to step back and to look at it and to say, you know what, I don't know if I'm able. Fear and timidity and reluctance. Paul was reminding Timothy that, Timothy, this is a part of your makeup. It's something that you've picked up along the way in life. And it's not from God. And because it's not from God, don't embrace it. Don't accept it. But put it in its place. Put it in its place. So let's kind of talk about fear for just a minute, because I think that uh, we all experience it. For some, it might be a consistent thing. For others, it might be something that, that kind of comes in and out of our lives, you know, depending on what's going on or what we are listening to. And, and let me say this. The moment that we live in in history is one that is filled with fear-mongering. There are marketing schemes and there are strategies that have been put together to convince you that you need something or you need to do something as a way to not experience a, a negative thing in your life. And because of that, they play on fear. They play on anxiety. They put it upon us as a way to encourage us to do something. And we must be aware of that because it is a form of control. It is a form of manipulation. And in hearing these words that Paul is giving Timothy, it reminds us that we are not a part of this culture, but we are a part of a kingdom. And the king that rules in our kingdom does not give his people a spirit of fear. He does not give his people a spirit of fear. So when we feel that rising up within us, or we hear people who want to plant it within us, we need to rise up and say no. And we need to put it in its place. Here's a, here's a part of the reason why. We've got to understand the, the purpose or the motive of fear. Fear wants to encourage an action in your life. It wants you to do something. And it oftentimes can fall under the category of these two options. Do nothing or do the wrong thing. You know, the, the deer in the middle of the road that sees 
the headlights coming and stops. Okay? Has had a, a level of fear that has encouraged it to do nothing that encourages and brings about a bad outcome, right? Impact. We are not unlike that in the sense that fear is, is, is always going to encourage us to take an action, either to do nothing or to do the wrong thing. Because oftentimes if fear is ruling our hearts, we will, we will lash out, we will move into a fight or a flight kind of a response, and, and that action is the wrong thing oftentimes. We must exercise discernment. So let me give you a, a couple of acronyms that I hope will kind of stick with you. You can write them down, and when you're facing fear or anxiety, they kind of give you the right target, okay? So here's the first one. This is the under the category of the wrong action that fear wants you to take. It wants you to forget everything and run. Forget everything and run. Forget that God is in control. Forget that he holds you in the palm of his hand. Forget that fear does not come from him. And run. Or there's another outcome that we can have face everything and rise and rise because you see in those circumstances when we are facing adversity and challenge and uh, uncertain outcomes when we choose to be anchored in faith and not in fear there is a rising that takes place because in the lives of his children God glorifies his name and he reveals his power you know, that's why the three Hebrew children can find themselves in a fiery furnace and those who are looking upon them can say, but there is a fourth who is with them. That is why we remember that when the children of Israel found themselves in between a rock and a hard place, there was a rising that took place that parted the waters and caused them to cross over on dry ground. Because the moment is not defined by our human capability, but rather it is defined by the power of God that can be manifest in it. And when we place our attention there and we hang on to him, we rise. We rise. Here is my prayer for us as the church today. In a culture that is prevalent with fear-mongering, may we Rise. We rise above. We put fear in its place. I want to I want to kind of widen the circle a little bit here for a moment. Because you might be saying to yourself, well, you know, fear, that's kind of a Timothy thing, but maybe it's not my thing. Because there are other things outside of fear that don't come from God also. You know, we all have tendencies and personality traits that need to be put down instead of picked up. You know, so don't leave here today going, well, you know what? The Lord didn't shine his light on my thing. But rather, I want you to kind of have this heart that responds and says, Lord... I want to experience the reality that Timothy did. Because you know what? Church history tells us that Timothy overcame that fear. And he led and he did well. And we can do the same. A couple of things that came to mind this week as I was pulling this together of other tendencies or other personality traits that, that may need to be put down instead of picked up. Are living for the praises of other people. If you begin a decision or a response with the question, what will they think? You, know, you are under something that God does not want you to be under. We don't live for the praise of man. We don't live for the approval of of other people, but yet our hearts can, can drift in that direction, and that is not something that has been given to us by God. 
John chapter 12, verse 43, Jesus is talking about the Pharisees. And he says this about them. He says, they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. See, for the believer, popularity and approval are not our primary concern. And uh, if they become our primary concern, we will live a life that is hindered. A life that experiences challenges that Christ has not wished upon us or are outside of his greatest hopes for us. Because for us, revealing Jesus and the kingdom motivate us. You know, that's why in this world we may find ourselves in moments where representing the kingdom are not popular. Standing up for truth puts you at odds with those around you. And if we live for the praises of people, we will remain silent, but when we understand that we are to live to reveal Jesus and His kingdom, you know, there is a speaking the truth in love spirit that rises up within us. I've kind of experienced this to a greater degree in my own personal life in the last year. It's not always a fun thing to be the only dissenting voice in the room. You know, to stand in the presence of those who have, you know, authority in our community and to say, you know what, I think you need to think about this a little bit different. You know, I I don't find great joy in that. Some people might. I don't. But you know what, when God puts you in that place... And when, 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 when he gives you the open door, you have to stand. And you can stand in confidence. Because you know what? There might be something within you that says, Oh, I don't want to do this. But you can do it in confidence. Because Jesus said when you stand before authorities and you do not know what to say, do not worry. Because I will give you the words. And you know what? It's not just me. It's all of us. In the marketplace, in your neighborhoods, in your families, in your places of employment, there are going to be times where you are going to have to speak about a righteous alternative. And when you do that, do it with confidence. Because we don't live for people's praise. I want to talk just for a moment about another tendency or personality trait that we need to to put down instead of pick up and I just kind of have a gut feeling the room's going to be real quiet when I say this okay but it's okay we live in an hour where there is a tendency towards criticism and negativity And we can hear it so much that it can just kind of become normal. And and when it becomes normal, it becomes justifiable. And if that tendency or that personality trait is not put down but is picked up, you know, we are not representing Christ and His kingdom. If, if, if our hearts and our thinking have drifted to the place where our first response is, well, that's wrong, that won't work. Some have called it the, the glass half-empty kind of worldview. If we land there, you know, we, we are going to find ourselves under the influence of something that Christ died for. And that he shed his blood and rose again on the third day to give us the victory over. And I would say to us today, church, we cannot look like the culture. We must look like the kingdom. Even when it comes to disagreement and differences of opinion, 
you do not need to default into a spirit of criticism or negativity. Because here's the call of Scripture. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You want to know what God's will is for you? It is always to give thanks. And let's make a distinction here. Paul is telling us in everything, not for everything. That means you can even give thanks in the middle of something that you disagree with. You don't have to give thanks for the wrong decision somebody is making or the way the political wind is going but you can give thanks in it you can give thanks in it because you serve a god that is above it you serve a lord who can change it we have a a lord over us who hears our prayer whose ear is not deaf whose arm is not short and weak And you know what? All you have to do is look back. Because you know what? What we are seeing today is not the first time the world has seen these things. And there are plenty of chapters in history where evil has been overcome, where revival has swept through the land because the response of the church has been prayer, where things have been turned around significantly, foundationally and I want to stand before the Lord and declare that I believe that we are in that kind of moment again if we run we will not see it but if we rise we will but if we pick up this tendency and embrace a personality trait that just says you know what all that I am going to do is be negative and criticize. We're not going to see what God wants to do. So just let your heart be reconfigured this morning. You know, remove that influence, but come under the influence of the Lord. And, and, and when you leave this sanctuary and, and you go out into our community today, I want you to have eyes that see and a heart that has a conviction that is rooted by not what is humanly possible, but by what is possible when we are in partnership with a God who can do all things. And the list could go on and on, couldn't it? <laughs> Seeking the praise of people. And a heart that might trend towards criticism or negativity. You know what your thing is. And let me remind you today, if it's not from God, you should not be under its influence. In fact, I want to just kind of take a moment right now because I, I, you know, I think that maybe the Lord is uh, revealing something. Maybe He's putting His finger on something. Maybe you hear that still, small voice that is just saying, My child, think about this thing. And, and if you're in that place, I want you to either write it in your notebook or to take your bulletin and turn it over because there's a place for you take notes and I want you to write it down the Lord is talking to me about this today and I don't want to be under its influence anymore I want the victory because you know what identifying it is where the battle begins it's where it begins So there are influences that can be somewhat a part of our makeup. They can be things that we, we pick up in life, but there are also influences that can come upon us. 
And just as Paul was calling out a spirit of fear, there are other specific spirits that I believe we are facing today. And, and I'm going to get specific for, for us today. As we came out of the weeks of prayer and you know, just feeling the Lord just saying this. Stand in prayer against this. Because it's an operation. And it was kind of an eye-opening experience for me because it just, it began to help me make sense out of things that I was seeing but having a hard time sizing up. Because here to some degree is where we have been over the last year. A lot of people have not been themselves. You know, and I think it just kind of comes from this place where we're, we don't know how to make sense out of what we're seeing. We don't know how to respond to it. Our, our hearts feel, feel a little bit more cluttered than normal because there's been so much more thrown at us. And, and I believe there are, there, there, there's something specific at work that we need to be aware of so that we can stand against it. And that is a spirit of heaviness. The Bible talks about a spirit of heaviness. It's not something I'm making up or just pulling out of the air, but, but there are specific scriptures that say in this world, you know, there is a spirit of heaviness that wants to exert influence over God's people. Here's one of the verses that talks about it. Isaiah 61 verse 3. To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. So this is a salvation verse. This is Isaiah declaring you know, what is going to come along with the salvation of the Lord? And, and he's saying, people of God, a part of God's salvation is this. He gives us beauty for our ashes. He gives us oil for the joy of mourning. He gives his people a garment of praise. And that garment of praise, it lifts the spirit of heaviness. And that as we experience his salvation, we are planted by him. We are called oaks of righteousness. We are set apart from among the nations. And we've got to be reminded again that we live in a world that has a reality that we cannot see with the natural eye. The scriptures declare that, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers. We're reminded that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. There is this natural spiritual reality that the church faces, that we belong to a kingdom that does not belong in this world. And because of that, the forces in this world stand in opposition and if we walk in life ignorant or choosing not to believe that, we make ourselves vulnerable. Paul tells the church to stand, and when you have done all to stand, stand some more. And I'm calling out this morning a spirit of heaviness that would believe that it has authority over the people of God. And it does not. It was defeated at the cross just like every other spiritual force of wickedness. And it has no authority, it has no right, it has no power, and it has no privilege over those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. So this spirit, it labors. And, and what is it looking to achieve? It wants to dim your vision. It wants to rob you of a vision for the future. It wants you to be so wrapped up in today that you can't see tomorrow. 
And when it's really working in your life, it wants you to hope that tomorrow won't come. It wants to quench your faith, rob you of hope. It wants to oppress you and and keep you down. And, And literally, it is called a spirit of heaviness because it puts weight upon us. And oftentimes, as it manifests itself in that way, it works to isolate you. It works to steal your love. And it makes you feel alone. It makes you feel alone and isolated. And I want to tell you the door that it opens to start that work. We're shining light on things that are hidden in darkness this morning. Because if we don't know how it operates, we cannot stand in opposition to it. The open door that a spirit of heaviness tries to open in our lives to gain access to us, oftentimes begins with a habit of finding fault. Finding fault within yourself or finding fault with others. It, it, it wants our first response to be, I don't agree with that, uh, that's wrong, um, I can't believe that person is doing that or saying that or living that way. It, it wants your, 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 your eyes to only see what is wrong, to find fault, either in yourself or in others. Today can be the day that you close the door. You know, let me just be honest with you for a second. If you're in the room today, or you're at home, and you're feeling something stirring in your heart right now as you hear these words, it is not me. It's not me. I am frail and flawed, and I am just a vessel. But the Lord wants you to close a door today. Because he doesn't want you to feel heavy. He wants you to feel freedom. And here's how you can do it. Don't find fault. Count your blessings. Count your blessings. We used to sing that song, right? Count your blessings. Count them one by one. It will absolutely change your heart. It will renew your thinking. It will lift your countenance. Because you know what? God is at work all around us. I want you right now to just take a moment to write down a blessing. In your notes, in, your bu- in, in the journal part of your bulletin, write down a blessing. At home, grab a piece of paper, write down a blessing. As you write down that blessing, you're speaking to that that spirit that wants to have influence in your life, and you're saying, no more. 
I fix my eyes upon the good things of the Lord. Uh, you know what, there are a lot more smiles in the room right now than there were when we started talking about heaviness. <laughs> See, that's the power of gratitude, of giving thanks. I wasn't planning on kind of sharing this, and I don't have all of the details straight in my mind, but you know, there, there have been scientific studies done on the power of a smile. You know, and a smile can be picked up from a very far distance. In fact, we are hardwired to the degree that when we are in a room and somebody smiles, it like it attracts our vision. You know, it's 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 like there's there's something that draws us to that smile. And I just kind of saw myself doing that in this room, in every section, as you were writing down. I could see your smiles. And you know what? That's the spirit of God and not the spirit of heaviness. So Rock Church, I want to remind us today that not only has God not given us a spirit of fear, but he's not given us a spirit of heaviness. So let's talk about a couple of things here that will um, give us some practical steps moving forward. How do we overcome? Overcoming the things that are within and the influences that want to come upon us, uh, they're a daily task. It's, it's a part of following Christ. And in verse 6, Paul writes to Timothy, he says, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my Timothy, here's your daily exercise. Stir up. And there's, there's, there's kind of two principles that emerge from here that I'll give you. And the first one is this. He's essentially saying to Timothy, you know, think like a saved person. Don't think like someone who's not been saved. Don't think like someone who's carnally minded. Think like a saved person, a redeemed person. All right, pastor, how did you get that? Let me tell you. The phrase, the gift of God, is often a reference to the gift of salvation. Uh, Jesus said to the Samaritan woman at the well, if you knew the gift of God and who it is uh, who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. John 4.10 Paul writes in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God. So salvation is oftentimes referred to as the gift of God. Paul is saying to Timothy, you know, remember what God has done for you. Think like a saved person. Don't forget the gift that God has given you. You have been saved. You've been bought with a price. You are redeemed. You are set free. Old things have, been, have passed away. All things have been made new. Walk in newness of life because you are a part of the family of God. Think like a saved person. Remember your identity. Why is that important? The gift of salvation reminds you of who you belong to. 
And when fear or heaviness or any other thing come against you, because of what Christ has done and because you are his, you can tell that thing you cannot own a child of God. You cannot own a child of God. But then, thinking like a saved person goes beyond the day of our salvation. Because many have used this passage to to teach on spiritual gifts and the gifts that God gives the church, the charismatic gifts that we see in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 10. The gifts that are uh, gifts of grace, they're spiritual, they're divine. There's a miraculous faculty to them in the sense of where they come from and what they accomplish. And, and, and Paul is saying, you're not only saved, but you've got you've to stir up those gifts that you've been given because you've also been called to serve. And you've been called to serve in accordance to what God has given you. you know, so Timothy, if God has made you a teacher, you teach. If he's made you a person of helps, you help people. And it reminds us of this wonderful reality that we, we live under. That we stir up the gifts that are within us as a regular part of our life. And we do it by recalling our salvation. In other words, we preach the gospel to ourselves. We remember that moment when the gospel was made real to us, but then we use the gifts that he has given us to serve him. And he says the picture should look like this. There should be a flame that is being fanned in your life on a daily basis. A spark that turns into a fire, a fire that turns into a furnace. The picture is literally a billow. You know what a billow is? It's that, it's that old school thing that blows air onto a fire. Like if, you're, uh, if, if you are lost out in the wilderness on a cold day, you hope you've got a billow because you want to get fire on that flame and get that thing going hot. And... Uh, Paul says, this is a part of your regular, daily walk with the Lord. Remember your salvation and use the gifts he's given you. And then let me give you one last thing and we'll march through this quickly. Think like a saved person, but then remember the right things. Timothy, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but God has given you a spirit of power. reminds us that God is able and capable. And we are to say yes to his power being demonstrated in us. Colossians 1, 10, 11, you know, when we walk with him, we are strengthened with all power, Paul says. In First and Second Peter, uh, we are kept by his power and we are given all that we need pertaining to life and godliness you know god does not ask us to do anything that he cannot complete and then that's the faith that we embrace his work with can i get personal for just a second Just um, trying to find my way through so many things like all of you in this last year. And um, a year ago, when uh, things were escalating rapidly and significantly and we had to figure out how to make sense of it and what to do, One of the dominant thoughts that my 
heart and mind had to deal with was just, Lord, I don't want to let people down. This is historic in its scope, and there is no playbook. Lord, I I don't want to let people down in this hour. And I literally woke up every day feeling that, like, Lord, I can't let your people down. And in some ways that may have worked for me, but in a lot of ways I think it worked against me because... You know, the next step and the progression was looking at every day and feeling like you could work the entire day and not get enough done. And when we were in the week of prayer, the two weeks of prayer recently, the Lord just spoke to me in His quiet voice again. And he said, you have been carrying burdens that I have not put on you. And it was like an aha moment. I don't serve well by operating in my power or strength. I serve well by following him. Because when I follow him, his power is manifest and demonstrated, not my own. And we can face the day with the confidence in knowing that God does not ask us to do anything that he cannot complete. And we can do so with a mindset that knows that in our weakness, he is made strong. You've been given a spirit of power. Given a spirit of love, he says. We talked about that a lot last week. Increasing and abounding in love. And just know this, when we have the spirit of love in us, God fills us with his love and it gives us what we need to love others the way that he does. May that spirit be at work in us. But then he gives us sound mind. God's spirit inside of us transforms our minds so that we can think and understand and perceive and feel and judge the same way Christ does. It's literally the meaning of the phrase there. So how do we do that? Because oftentimes the battle is right here, isn't it? It's right here. And God has given us a sound mind. So one thought that will kind of help us experience that reality, and it's this. We must replace our thoughts with a greater thought. The greater thought is the truth of God's word. What he says about us and the world and his kingdom. Because that is where renewal and transformation take place. You'll recall in Ephesians, Paul says, you know what, there are some things that you are to put on, right? What's one of them? Come on, say it louder. Yeah, the belt of truth. The belt of truth. Yeah. We may overlook the importance of a belt. For the picture that Paul is giving us, 
you know, that belt kind of holds everything together so that the soldier can fight. But then it also creates a place for something to be attached to the body. A sword. The sword of the Spirit hangs on the belt of truth. So we've got to replace our thoughts with greater thoughts because the Word of God is a spiritual weapon. It's a spiritual weapon. Now here's the other thing about the portion of the body where the belt goes. It is either the place where we create or we eliminate. So when we have the belt of truth on, and we use the sword of the Spirit as a spiritual weapon, when we are living that way, we create transformation and renewal. And we eliminate error and deception. But when we are not operating in truth and we are holding on to the lesser thoughts, the absence of truth or the belt of truth in our lives causes us to create deception and to see transformation and recreation eliminated in us. So how do we how do we experience the sound mind that sees things the way that Jesus sees them? Truth. Truth holds us together. Truth is what the sword of the Spirit attaches to so that it is at our side and at the ready in every moment. It's the reason why when Christ was in the wilderness being tempted himself and he looked Satan in the eye as the temptations were taking place, he had this response. He said, it is written, it is written, it is written. And it gave him authority in another moment to look someone else in the eye to say, get behind me. Get behind me. The Word of God is a spiritual weapon. And a sound mind only comes from embracing the truth. Marty, we'll kind of change up the end here a little bit. But go ahead and come. We just won't move into a worship song. We're late on time. But I want to just bring us to another moment of application. You know, there are things that God has not given you, but there are things that God does supply. And we want to see a decrease of the things that are not from Him and an increase of the things that are of Him. So I want us to kind of change our, our uh, response right now because you've been listening. And, and, and now I want you to humbly just kind of bow yourself before, your, your heads and your hearts before the Lord for application. You ask the Lord to speak to you. You, um, you declare that you're opening your ear to hear His voice. And as you do that, let me just kind of offer a couple of questions that will maybe stimulate the process a little bit. And the first one is this. Have you picked up something that you need to put down? Have you picked up something that you need to put down? Was there something you, you have embraced that you need to let go of? Maybe you've, 
you've just you've given up you've convinced yourself of the impossibility of, of, of God changing that thing or giving you the victory over it I just want to tell you today that if you've done that you've got to place yourself back under the authority of Christ because when when you embrace something that is not of him you come under it He's just saying today, you know, make me the center. Hold on to me. There's things that are coming to mind. I just, again, I encourage you to write them down. And then as you write them down, ask the Lord, what, you know, what would you have me to do? Lord, help me. I need to, I need to see the way. I need to know what the next step is. you ask him that question, just begin to to write down what he's speaking to you. things down so that they will not be forgotten because God is wanting to do a work. stand together. As we stand, Lord, I just pray for the abundance of your grace to be poured out into all of our lives. I thank you that you are generous. You give good gifts. And we pray, Lord God, for you to help us to lead us. And Lord, we thank you for your word today that's been planted in our hearts. Lord, may it bear fruit. Not only today, but in the days to come. And we thank you for it now. In Jesus' name. So as we go... Let's just go giving God the glory. So Pastor Marty, take us to the doxology. And uh, let's make this our, uh, our parting anthem as we leave. We're going to glorify God in all of these things. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below praise him above ye heavenly host praise father son and holy ghost praising him. Now may his grace and his peace be upon you as you go, and may he watch over and keep you. God bless you until we meet again. Thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We hope this has been a blessing in your life, and we look forward to having you joining us in person for a service soon. Our service times are Thursday nights at 7 o'clock and two services on Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. God bless you.